everyone. Welcome to this special edition of Social Psych Stop Watch Science. Today's topic is persuasion. I'm Morgan. I'm here to present some research for you today. And today we have Haley and Drew in the room. They're also going to be presenting some research. As you know, with Stopwatch Science, we have one minute to summarize an article that we have read to you guys. So every day we see and hear thousands of advertisements that try to persuade us to think or behave in a certain way. Many instances of this try to entice us to purchase a product. Our ability to be persuaded depends on many factors. Where's it coming from? Who says it? Are we able to make the effort to think about the message presented? Some messages are even designed to evoke particular feelings like empathy, fear, warm fuzzy feelings, feelings of concern. So what exactly optimizes the effectiveness of the persuasive speech? What factors determine this? Here's what the research says about persuasion. One study found that the type of message in the group setting impact what types of persuasion a person typically responds to. And the evidence from this study suggests that there are many factors that go into these situations. Through a survey study, they found that depending on whether an individual was alone or in a group had an effect on what motivated them to be persuaded. The main correlation that they found was that when someone is in a group setting, they are more motivated to avoid negative behaviors than they are to lean towards proactive behaviors. These results greatly affect the type of persuasion that someone is using on someone else in a group setting. This could be accomplished by phrasing the message with a focus on fear of being ostracized from the group. Which brings us to our next study. Speaking of fear, <laughs> how many of you have seen the public service announcements with smoking? Some of those are pretty scary. Yes. So, as we know, emotions have been known to evoke powerful responses to persuasion and advertising. But the biggest question is, which emotions are most effective at persuading someone to change their views or behavior? Is it more effective for those PSAs to strike fear into individuals or to make them feel empathy for individuals that have chronically smoked? A study published in the Health Communication Journal explored this idea by creating different categories of anti-smoking public service announcements and having participants watch several of them in different categories. Overall, they found that both fear and empathy had a positive impact on persuasion. However, there's a caveat to that. Fear can also have a negative impact on persuasion because it can potentially activate psychological reactants in viewers. When this happens, people feel like their ability to make choices is threatened and results in them shutting down to the message, just turning off the TV, turning off the radio, ignoring what's being said to them. In a similar finding, also relating to fear, the use of humorous threat persuasion in advertising was looked at to find the significance of ad persuasion amongst individuals who had some type of involvement or personal relevance with the topic. An overarching question to this idea would be, when is the use of humor most effective in regards to a threatening ad? In order to figure it out, two studies were conducted. The first study surveyed college students on the topic of deforestation in the environment, and each participant of that study was showed an ad that was either humorous or non-humorous. The variables within this study were humor, humor and non-humor, and involvement, low and high. Participants who were found to have low involvement with this particular issue, so those who didn't really have an emotional relevance to it, were found to have rated the humor ad more positively, whereas the high involvement participants were found to have rated the humor ad more negatively. This makes sense because the more emotionally involved you are about a certain topic, the less likely you are to view a humorous ad in a positive light. And the second study surveyed college students on the topic of sunburn and risk of melanoma. 
Each participant was then showed an ad that was either humorous or non-humorous. Participants were divided into two groups, low pass threat, which were those who had low previous risk of sunburn, and high pass threat, which were those who have high previous risk of sunburn. From the low pass threat group, threat intensity of the ad was examined, which was low and high. With low threat intensity, the non-humor ad was found to be more persuasive, whereas the high threat intensity, the humor ad, was found to be more persuasive. And this was found to be the opposite case for the high past threat group. Overall, through these findings, highly emotionally involved people will typically not find a humorous ad to be persuasive unless the threat intensity of the ad is low, and those who are less emotionally involved will typically not find a humorous ad to be persuasive unless the threat intensity is high. After viewing these findings, I found that it is important to be careful with humorous threat persuasion because each individual will react differently depending on their emotional involvement with the subject of interest. So advertisers must decide what viewers they want to make the most impact on and determine from there the type of persuasion to use. This leads us to our last article for discussion today, where we look at an interesting future application for previously known empirical studies. While most persuasive research has been useful in advertising, this study focuses on a more direct approach towards promoting health. The hypothesis is that persuasive techniques could be used to encourage patients to make healthier choices in their lives. By training nurses in how to use these persuasive techniques that have been established by previous empirical studies, Using these techniques, nurses would then be able to persuade patients to make healthier life choices which could lead to long-term healthier behavior. Drew, I really like those findings from that meta-analysis right there. Um, it's really interesting because it relates to another point in social psych that's um, promotion focus versus prevention focus. Promotion focus focuses on positive outcomes while prevention focus focuses heavily on negative outcomes. So the study that I focused on, the smoking one, was more of a um, prevention while yours was more of a promotion. So I find that that's a pretty good contrast. So overall, y'all, what would you guys say about persuasion? What advice would you give to advertisers, health professionals, etc.? I would say there's different types of persuasion you can use, so it's important to like know who you are trying to focus in on. So like if you're advertising to somebody with a promotion focus, you might want to use one approach, or with a prevention focus, use another approach. And with the humor, like what I found was um, it depended on the person's individual involvement. So I think persuasion just varies depending on those variables. I think that in addition to that too, it's important for anyone attempting to implement persuasive techniques to remember that the context of the situation matters because this can greatly impact which type of persuasion will be most effective given the scenario. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's Social Psych Stopwatch Science. I hope we've persuaded you to come back for another podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>